stated it too. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. I'm going to pray as you turn there today. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for what we just heard from Mark Sullivan. I pray, Lord, for people to go to Laos. Lord, I pray, Jesus, for the, the support of the Sullivans, Lord, to be, to be finished. Lord, I pray, God, for this nation, that Jesus, that where, where there, just, there, there needs to be a, a touch up upon this nation for the gospel. Lord, I pray you would do it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone said, amen. I, I couldn't help it, but pray over that. That was, that was big this morning. But man, I'm thankful that you're here with us uh, today. Uh, this morning, we are going to be walking through a very incredibly important and interesting part of Scripture. And as we do it today, before we do, and while you're turning there, I have some blueprints this morning. These are some blueprints of our church building. Uh, some of these are new. Some of these are old. They've been with us for a long time since the place was built. Some of these are, are brand new blueprints. You may or may not know that we are working through and talking through right now on how to add on and build our building. And so uh, it's been really a wonderful experience. And, and in the process of this, I've learned a few things about building. I, I don't know a lot about commercial building. I've been learning more things to be gone. But one thing I've learned is how important it is to have a good architect. The good architect can make or break the process in so many ways. And so uh, that's been part of the reason why we've taken time because we've been working through that process. But uh, the, what's interesting is that our, our building and what we're going to do was not the job of the architect. That was really a lot of the people uh, within our church had the idea. But we had to hire an architect to help us to put down on paper and to engineer what our ideas were to make, it, make them happen. So, for instance, we're going to be adding on to the end of the kids' hallway. And so uh, we, had a, we had an idea how it could work. Our architect had a better idea of how that would work, and he engineered it and worked it and made it happen because that's what they do. That's what we pay them for. That's what they have gone to school for. We trust that their experience and their schooling and what they put on paper is going to work. We sat down with a building official last year and talked about this. And he said, he said you know, usually we just go with what the architect says. If, if they put their stamp on the paper, they put their stamp on your blueprints, we have trusted that they're going to probably uh, stand behind their work. And so we just trust what they do. And so I thought that was interesting that, that building officials kind of put that much pressure and that much onus on architect. And so this morning we're going to talk through a part of scripture that is God's blueprints for the home. But I got to tell you today that this morning as you walk through this this part, this this verse today, it has been offensive to some people. It really has been. And you're going to be like, what? Well, you're going to read it today. You're going to know which verse I'm talking about this morning. These are God's design for the home this morning. And it's interesting today that this portion of scripture is even placed here. It's fascinating to me that God put, that God inspired Paul to write in the midst of this, of this book that seems to have nothing to do with the home or families that smack dab right here in this spot in, in, in chapter 5. God has Paul put down this kind of information about the home. But, but it, it doesn't make sense. You have to say, well, well, why would he do this? Why would this happen? Well, it, it makes sense because, and, and listen today, the, the home can and should be the greatest place we can go to be challenged, recharged, and strengthened to live boldly. Ephesians was written to a people whose culture was working to edit their faith, to change their faith, 
to take them off of what God had led them to to something else. And that your house, your home, your marriage should be and can be the greatest place you can go to be charged, strengthened, and encouraged. And so let's read it this morning. Verse, chapter, verse 21 of chapter 5. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the context for this passage. This is the context for what comes afterwards. The context is mutual submission to one another. I love this verse 21. This verse 21 ties together the first half of the chapter, and it ties together this second half of the chapter, and it shows us the context in which we treat each other in the home. I have counseled couples before who the husband would say, if she would just submit to me, my life would be better. And he does it with this look of like anger and rage. And I say, dude, I don't want to submit to you, right? And I've heard women say, well, if he just lead me, then I might be okay. And, and both sides of the fence have said things like that. And they've used this passage as their ammo to work through this. But here's what you have to know today about this passage. See, we, because this passage is the blueprints for a healthy marriage, we, tr- when we, we don't trust the design if we don't trust the designer. You have to trust God's design for marriage. Listen today, marriage is not the idea of our culture. It's not the idea of just mankind, that mankind thought this was a good thing. God designed marriage. God put marriage into practice. God put marriage into the way, into the way things work. And we don't trust the design if we don't trust the designer. And the design is mutual submission to each other. But because men and women are different, that's that's newsflash, right? Like your spouse is not like you. And, And vice versa, we're not like each other. We do this differently depending on what side of the marriage that we're on. Men, we need honor and respect. Women need to be cherished and secure. My, my daughter the other day, I was, we, were, we, were, we were cuddling on the couch. And this is completely, I, I, you know, she didn't, I didn't ask for this. She has not heard this teaching before. But she just, you know, we're, we're cuddling. There's such a wonderful time. And she says, Daddy, I feel so safe with you. And, and I thought, man, isn't that what God has called for us to do within the confines of the home? Isn't that the call that God's placed on us? Now, some of you might say, well, that's not my home. That's not how things work in my home. We'll get to that in in a moment. But see, this is the call that God's placed on us to minister and work in each other in this way. Let's read this morning. Verse 22, four wives, this means. Now, when it says this means, he is explaining what verse 21 says, right? So it's tying you submit to each other. Wow. Well, I'll show you. Verse 22, this means you submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. I've learned something about this, this idea and the word of submission. In our culture, the word submission is a dirty word, right? But you know what, church? It's not. And as men, and as men, I talk to you especially this morning. Guys, I'm speaking to you this morning. If your wife considers this word a dirty word, your job is to help her to understand that it's not. Uh, the, the longer I serve Christ, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that my key to joy, peace, and happiness is found in this word. 
that every person in this room will submit to something, right? We will submit to some part, some area, some place. God's called us to submit to each other in service of our spouse. Wise, this is the call that you have. But husbands, likewise, your call is similar. Verse 20, 25 says, for husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, what did Jesus do that, that showed his love for the church? What did he do? He gave himself up for her, right? That's what he says right here. He says he gave his life for her. So again, if you would say, well, my wife's going to do whatever I tell her to. Well, your call is to lay down your life in such a way that Jesus laid down his life for us, which was pretty big. Right? And so uh, that's, 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 that's a pretty big goal to, to set for ourselves. He did this to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present himself, to, him, to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows life love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. Everyone who's married says amen. Uh, But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, this is the reason, one of the reasons why I love preaching expo- expositorily. Now, that's a big word. It simply means we walk through the scriptures and we expose what the scriptures tell us. That's what we do. We walk through point by point, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. This verse doesn't seem to fit. This chapter doesn't seem to fit in the rest of Ephesians. And I'll be honest with you, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll just pass through this. It doesn't seem to fit. I was like, no, no, no. This is why we do this. We walk through Scripture as God called us to walk through Scripture. If you were to design the greatest invention that you ever could have imagined, I heard recently about some NFL players who who invested a bunch of their money into this invention called floating furniture, in which if you had had a flood, the furniture would like somehow blow up and it would float away and you wouldn't sink. That's a that's a good idea. Maybe if you live in a place where it's prone to to floods, but if you invented your greatest invention and you did not make a way in which it could be sustained and could be and and, and could could be be nourished well you are a fool in many ways right see god calls you his greatest invention and what god did when he gave us marriage is he, he formed and made us to have a way in which our lives and who we are can be sustained and nurtured See, much of culture sees this passage as being offensive because much of culture sees marriage in a, the wrong way. Many, much of culture sees marriage as in the act of marriage is what you do to get some needs in your life met, right? You know, you're, you're lonely. You need someone to watch Netflix on Friday night with. You get married, Right? You, you know, you, you need someone to cook for you or to clean for you. You need a person that you, to love. Or, you know, whatever it might be, there's a reason why culture gets married. It's to serve needs that I might have. Now, certainly marriage serves some needs that we have. But church, I submit to you that is not and has never been God's intention and reason why we get married. We don't get married to solve our own needs. We get married to solve the needs of somebody else. And in so doing, we have needs met in our lives we never 
thought we ever had. Uh, it's humanity's, humanity's greatest problem it is, is simply comes back to the fact that we are selfish by nature, isn't it? You can boil down every part of your life, you can boil down sin, you can boil down so many things in, your, in our lives or in our culture down to the fact that by nature mankind is sinful. See, when you see this in this light, when you look at the, the, at the course of the book of Ephesians, you realize that so much of what Paul is leading us to understanding is that we have a problem. We are sinful by nature. And church, God's greatest antidote to that problem, if you're married to them, is sitting next to you. Right? That is God's greatest tool. Look to your spouse and say, thanks, you're my greatest tool. Right? You know, you're my greatest tool. You are God's greatest tool in my life to be discipled and to be changed. And when they take their hammer, where God takes his chisel and he chisels away part of our lives, that can be painful at times, right? It's frustrating. It's difficult. And it's God working in you and working through your spouse to make you the kind of person that you should be. Now, I understand that this is a sensitive subject. I know this is a hard thing because you may look at your life and say, well, my marriage, or maybe you're not in a marriage, but you had a marriage at one time. It's, it's over. You say, my marriage is not like that. My marriage was not like that. That's why my marriage is over because my marriage wasn't like this. And so I understand that this is a sensitive thing at times because it does not take into account the human nature that is by nature sinful. Some of your spouse may not be tracking with you on this journey. They may not be tracking with you on the idea of mutual submission. It may feel very one-sided at times. At times, it might be very one-sided at times. That's possible. But see, that doesn't change the truth of Scripture, right? Our experiences don't change God's ultimate plan for us. That person sitting next to you is God's greatest discipleship tool in your life. Navigating the challenges of marriage are one of life's greatest blessings. You walk through it successfully, it will change your selfish nature. And that's good. I need my, my guest to come, come forward this morning, if you would. Just get prepared and, and sit here, if you guys, guys could. When, when my wife Lisa and I got married um, 15 years back now, it's been amazing it's been that long. It's been 15 years. When we got married, um, that, that was the greatest day of my life. I look back on that day now, and I don't, I don't think I realized on that day when I saw my wife come down the aisle, and she was beautiful, and she was just awesome, and and, and I was just so excited for that day to come. And when she walked down the aisle, I, I didn't realize just how deeply that was going to be the case. I could never have known when I was uh, back then, I could never have known what God was going to do in me and through me and through us as we navigate these last 15 years. I, I just, no way. There's been so many things that I have needed and she's needed for me that has made us the person and who we are today. It's, it's remarkable. And I remember... When we got married, we got into my 1996 Mazda 626. It was beat up. It was dented at about 190,000 miles on it. That's, that's your ultimate getaway car, right? You know, that was, that was my car. And so we get in the car. We're driving away from, the, from, the, from the, uh, the, the church. I look at her. She's all stuffed in my little car. Her dress was huge. It's like stuffed in there. And I thought, that's my wife. I was like, that is amazing. I was so excited and so nervous and so excited and mostly nervous. And, you know, I was all those things because this is my wife. I was so excited about this moment. And I remember walking into the, um, to the, to the, to the hall where we had our, our, um, our reception. And I walked in. And I was just on cloud nine. I was excited. I was, couldn't believe it. And I remember a guy came up to me in that place. And 
And I sort of remember who it was. I won't say uh, who it was, but it was a, a member of our family. He came to me and says, buddy, your life's now over. What'd you go and do that for? You know, I had one guy say, hold on to your wallet and your credit cards. They're not yours anymore. You know, and I know. Guy say, another guy say, great going, buddy. Now you have two bosses, your boss and your wife. And so now I'm sitting in this place, and everything I'm hearing from guys who've been married for a long time, and they're doing it in jest, and they're laughing. It's, ah, it's funny. But it reveals a thing our culture has long held, which is why marriage is such a struggle for us. Marriage is not a one-sided thing. It's not a thing that I get what I need out of it. Marriage has always and will always be a mutual submission to each other. This morning, I've asked for two people to come today. This is Jordan and Susie Anderson. And Jordan and Susie Anderson have been involved in marriage counseling for uh, a number of years. Uh, they've done this uh, all over the place, and uh, I've gotten to know them very well. Actually, I knew George back when I was working at Bob Ryan Chevrolet in high school. And uh, that's a long time ago, and he was, he was working there. I was just a, a low man, a totem pole. But I remember George uh, from those, those years and those times. And this is a couple who has been through some really fascinating stuff. And they've navigated some interesting waters that have brought them to where they are today. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to have these guys, I'm going to move this over here because there's not a lot of room there. Uh, I'm going to have these guys share just a little bit about their story. But they're, they're going to give you and give us today some long-held advice as to how to play out what we talked about this morning on, on a very real way. So go ahead, you guys, and introduce yourselves. And George. Hello. Hey, I'm George, and this is Susie. Um, and we have been counseling for a long time and been involved in marriage ministry, and I'll explain that to you. Um, but don't give up on your relationship. Don't give up. God is amazing. I have to tell you a little bit of our story <clears throat> so that you understand where God has brought us from. We were married 50 years ago in February of 1969. By September of that year, I was deep in the jungles of Vietnam as a machine infantry machine gunner and stayed there for 13 months. Saw a lot of things that nobody should see. Um, held some of my friends in my arms as they bled out and died. Did some things that I'm not proud of. But the whole thing caused me to come home very angry, very frustrated, mentally, physically, and emotionally a mess. It was just like I, we thought, we all talked about it when we were over there, we thought all we had to do was get home and everything was going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And I had, the best thing that ever happened to me up to that point in my life was my wife and I wanted to get home and, and, and just see peace. Well, it didn't work that way. I hated everybody. Everybody hated me. <laughs> this is a little emotional for me. So, you know, it's some things aren't forgettable, but they certainly are forgivable. You know, that's the that's beauty. Good. That's the beauty of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much lashed out at anybody that got in my way. Got in a lot of fights. We'd go to dances and I'd get in fights and I, I, I sometimes think that I was trying to just get somebody to hurt me. I didn't know what to do. We were Catholic, and I'd go to the go to confession all the time. And as a matter of fact, I finally burst into the priest's office one day, and I said, "I need help." And I started to tell my story, and he said, "Yeah, I've heard it fifty times." You know, so I said, "Can you help me?" And the long and short of it is, I don't really know what to tell you. And I went 
home dejected. I thought meeting him face to face would be the answer and I'd be able to get back to normal. Like I said, my kids hated me. My wife hated me. Worst of all, was I hated me. No matter where you go, there you are. So I couldn't get away from this guy. And I was so afraid at this point in my life. This took about 10 years. Nobody knew what I did in Vietnam. They would ask me, What's, what was Vietnam like? And I'd say it was hot and it was wet. And they'd say, what did you do over there? I said, I'd get hot and I'd get wet. <laughs> and that's about as far as any conversation ever went about Vietnam. And I never, never told Susie anything. This went on for about 10 years, and I got to the point in my life where I thought I was really afraid that I was going to kill somebody, honestly afraid that I was take somebody else's life. And I thought, thought, and thought about it, and I came up with a solution. I went into my garage one night. Sat in the corner, held my pistol to my head, pulled the trigger back, put my finger on the trigger. I knew exactly where to shoot in the back of my head so it wouldn't make a big mess. And I was very calm and peaceful about it. And I said, no, please don't pull. Don't make a mess. I didn't want a mess. And I heard a voice say, what will this accomplish? And it wasn't the question that intrigued me. It was the voice. I, I got up and I thought, somebody's watching me do this. And I, I went outside and I didn't see anybody. I went in the house. There was nobody by the door. I was so intrigued by that voice. And I walked around the yard for a while, still had the pistol. And I thought, well, maybe it's some sort of sign. I thought, maybe, 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 I, maybe there's a better way. You know, I'll turn it. Okay, so um, probably about that time, uh, a family moved into our neighborhood, and the wife came knocking on everyone's door, and she invited the women to a women's Bible study. It was a Christian, Christian women's Bible study, and the Bible study was on the family. And boy, do we need <laughs> we need that. I didn't know. I knew what we had wasn't working. I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't know that God even had a plan that we were supposed to follow. So anyway, I went to the Bible study, and um, I realized that George was supposed to be the spiritual leader of our home, and I'm like, oh my word, he's not the spiritual leader, because I'm the one trying to get him up for church. <laughs> so I started praying, God, make him the spiritual leader, because oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and gradually, as I started going through this Bible study, seeing you know the plan that God had for the family, and I wanted, I wanted him to see that, too. And I knew if I said, you need to read the Bible or you need to do this, I knew that that wasn't going to work. So what I did was I said, can you help me with this question? It, it says da-da-da-da-da. This is what the See here, they talk about this verse. So what do you think? What, what's, how do you think that should be? So then he kind of started helping me with some of these Bible studies, and um, that's kind of how he started Started getting into the word more. Um, that's, by the way, that's that's genius. You know that that's. I was shooting with us yesterday. I was like, dude, that is genius. You know, like well, she didn't know what she was doing, but she was. You know. Well, because <laughs> guys don't like to be told what to do, but right. they like to find answers for you. That's right. <laughs> and he is good at finding answers. 
<laughs> yep. Um, so, and then it wasn't too long after that, and we had Christian friends, um, I'm sure that were always praying for us too, but um, invited us to an aglow Bible study, a couples Bible study. And so that, um, I think you got saved, did you get saved before that? So the, right in the middle of that, okay. So yeah, we started going to this couples study, and so that was very, very helpful too. It was just, God is so good, he just, he just brought us gently, step by step, how we could how we could handle it. We were both so broken. I was so hurt. I was so um, I had no self confidence. Um, and then with those ten years of turmoil, um, I just we both felt like failures. And when I started reading the Word and seeing what God, who God said I was, I'm like, oh my gosh. God says, I'm more than a conqueror. God says, I can do all things through Christ. God died for me. You know, I started seeing that he put value on me. And when I started seeing that, I stopped. I think I stopped being a doormat. I started demanding. I don't know if I want to say demanding, but I started seeing that there is a way that things should be. And we started trying to walk that out. Um, you guys had mentioned yesterday that, um, that well, you guys mentioned before, and not yesterday as well, but we, we talked about this yesterday, but you guys had mentioned that how your marriage has really been a blessing to both of you and helped both of you in so many ways to, to, to build, you know, to, you know, Susie, you, your, your confidence, George and you, your, your need to, you know, to lead and all, you know, all those kind of things, that you guys have helped each other in that and you've both grown because of that. So could you talk a little bit about kind of some of those things in your, your experience and how that's happened or how that's worked? Well, another thing that I started doing is I started praying the word over him. Like I found um, Joshua 1.8, and it says, this book of the law will not depart out of, and I said, George's mouth, because mm. he's going to meditate on it day and night, and then he's going to do everything that that word says to do. Amen. And then he's going to make his way prosperous, and he's going to have good success. So I started praying that for him, started using the word, started believing the word and believing that if that's what God wanted for us, then that's what we were going to do. So I started doing that, and, and God showed me, for me, he brought me to 1 Peter 3, um, talking to wives and how their godly lives would win a man over. It's not my words, not me pounding him and um, nagging him. <laughs> that is not going to get him. Because I tried that, believe me, I tried that too. But then when I got to First Peter three, and I'm like, oh, this is this is the God's plan. This is God's plan. If if I live a calm and a godly life, he's going to be won over. And 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 he was, he was. Well, um, I hated that Bible study, by the way. The couple. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I uh, I went home one night and I stood by the sink and it was dark out and I said, grabbed a hold of the sink and I said, you know, I'm just going to ask you with it this once, God. I don't want to play games. I said, I want to do this for my kids and for my wife. Will you please fix this? And he did. We started on a journey that led us to marriage ministry first with a national organization called Born Again Marriages. 
and almost 30 years ago, and we've been doing that sort of thing since, but we've still been growing. I, I always tell God I don't want to stop. I don't want to think I've arrived, and the relationship we have now is way better than it was even a year ago. I just feel so strongly about the fact that when you bring up the scripture about mutual submission, that people get an understanding of that, that this is not a dominance thing. My wife is very submissive, but I don't think she's ever had to submit to me. I mean, we have a mutual understanding about what our responsibilities are within the marriage. Um, um, I, this year in January, you know, some people make New Year's resolutions, and we thought, well, let's just think of a word we want God, what path that God would lead us down. And I picked love because I thought it would be easy. <laughs> you know, I, I've been saved all these years, and I know so much about love that, you know, da-da-da-da-da. You know, God has kind of upset my apple cart to the point where I rarely tell Susie that I love her anymore. What I say to her is I get real close at night, and I snuggle, and I say this, Honey, do I love you? <laughs> and she first said, I think so. And I said, I got some work to do. <laughs> I got some work to do. Yep. So now I ask her, honey, do I love you? And she said, yes, you do. So I, I have a greater understanding of love, and I have a, and I'm certainly having, I got a long ways to go. But you know what, folks? The Bible teaches things that we need. It shows us how a person, a believer, should live. And the benefits to that are amazing. The benefits for me dropping every hobby and every other thing that I put, dominated so much of my time on and started to work on my relationship, the benefits to that are absolutely amazing. I don't know any other thing that I've ever done that provided more satisfaction. You guys have one thing that you can leave us with as far as you've been married for 50 years um you've been married longer than i've been even a even a thought in my in my in my mother's and father's eyes you know you guys have married a long time do you have any piece of advice from both of you i want to hear both of you today um as to what this passage means as far as you know submitting to each other you know again you know wives and husbands do this differently do you have any piece of advice that you give us as far as what that means to Susie, maybe you'd speak to the, to the, to the women and, and George to the men, but what does that mean you've learned over these last 50 years? Um, um, to me, I, I think it's about an attitude more than anything else. Um, you know, it's, it's my tone of voice and my attitude toward him. I can say things, I can say the same thing, but if I say it with respect, um, that means a lot to him. And, and I was just going to say, too, that God put this in here because he knows what the heart of man needs. We don't like to hear, as wives, we don't like to hear the word submit, but our, our, it's what our husband needs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't like to hear, us as wives, we don't want to hear the word that we should respect our husbands. But that's, they do need that. And then men don't always like to hear that they should unconditionally love us, but that's that's how to get to our heart. You know, it's mm -hmm. like God gives us the pointers mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we do that. Um, and just one other thing I was going to say, and one of the first ministries that we were in was called Born Again Marriages. One of the things that they always said was that if it's important to, to you, and then it's important to me. And so we kind of took that. It kind of changed our attitudes, realizing that mm -hmm. to him he found out that 
I didn't like John cleaning all over the house. That was important to me. He could care less. <laughs> but because it was important to me, he started, you know, changing. Um, oh, I know. One more thing I was going to say, too. is <laughs> <laughs> um, she's, she's doing great. <laughs> one more thing. Um, I found in Proverbs 31 where it talked about um, wives, and I, I was confident the women anyway. And there's a verse in there, I think it's 10 or 11, and it talks about that I will comfort him and encourage him, and I will only do him good for all the days of my life. Sure. And I just determined that's going to be, yeah. that's going to be what I'm going to do, and that's what I've endeavored mm. to do. Good. What a blessing. I uh, am in the middle of a study right now to go along with your saying, what you're saying, about understanding. Everything the Bible talks about wisdom, it also talks about understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to be an individual that has understanding, and I'll explain why. If you're in a disagreement with your spouse, your responsibility is to get understanding from their point of view. You're, you're, you need to find out what their thoughts are. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in, in being as far as being mutually submissive, every time when Susie walks in the room, my thought goes to, what can I do for you? And it, and it used to be, what are you going to do for me today, honey? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to make me for supper? I don't, you know what? I wish I'd have done this years ago, but when I see her, my thoughts go to, what can I do for you? Mm. How are you doing? What do you need? And uh, I, that, has, that has revolutionized. You know, if you think about anything long enough, your mind's going to be there all the time. So yeah. if you stop thinking about yourself and thinking about someone else, it's yeah. automatically, Good. That's, that's where my thoughts go, Good. to her. Good. Thank you so much. And Karen, if you could come and just begin to play probably behind us here. I, I actually I want you guys to pray over the marriage of our church, if you would, as she comes. Let's just close our heads, close our, close our eyes, bow our heads this morning. And, and, and I want to make a quick thing before he does this. And you might be here today, you might say, well, I'm not married. Um, what does this affect? What does this affect me? I'm not married. And that might be because you are not married now, but maybe you will be some at some point. Um, maybe you're not married now and you'll never be married again. Maybe you're Maybe you're not married now, and you will someday, and you can't wait for that day because you would say, oh, man, if I was only married, my life would be complete. Or Any place in between that. Of course, most people in here are, are married at this point in our, in our lives, but wherever you fall on that scale right now, you, you, you either are married or you know someone who's married, um, or you understand the power and the, and, and the value of marriage. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you fall on that, on, that, on that scale, to pray over the marriages of our church. To pray the marriages of believers across this nation. That's a, it's a vital thing. God, you, God has used marriage to do so many good things across our culture and our world. And our culture is working to try to edit that out and edit away and change the, the definition of what this means. And church, we got to pray that God would minister and strengthen us. Amen? Strengthen us to, as, as spouse, but also strengthen the, the office or strengthen the, the spot or the place of marriage. And it doesn't matter where you fall in that on that, that spot, you can pray over this and you know the power of a good marriage, right? Let's, let's be a place and be a church where we are modeling that, where we are looking for that. If you're not married and you're looking for a spouse, you look for a spouse that will be a person of honor, integrity, and character, a person who can do like what they have talked about here today. If you aren't married, if you are married and your spouse is struggling with these things, well, you've heard some ideas here and some things you can do. Let's just pray over that this morning. If you would, if you guys would, just pray over that. Let's just pray together this morning, Jesus. Lord, what a great idea you have. Praise you, Lord. In marriage, Father. We sure appreciate that, Lord. You love us so much that you would 
designed that for us. Lord, the marriage that you designed is under attack today from every direction. We come against that in Jesus' name. I, I just take this nation as a nation that has godly marriages, that we, we conform to your plan, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the people in this church. I just sense that there's some hurting people here that within their marriage, and I pray for them right now, that you would enter in, in a new way, Father, that you would touch their hearts, they'd begin to change from the inside out, Father. Lord, you know, and I know, that marriage isn't about finding the right person, it's about being the right person. And I pray over this congregation that every husband and every wife would be the right person, Lord. That you would guide them and lead them and teach them into all your ways regarding marriage, Lord. It's such a beautiful thing, Lord God. It's, it's, it's just terrible to waste time on minutia, Lord God. When we could be reaching the world, we could be the examples for the rest of the world to see as strong marriages, Lord. Lord, I turn the people over to you, Lord. I'm, a, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, Lord. And I thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Give it up for the Andersons this morning, if you would. I appreciate your wisdom, you guys. Thank you so much. If you would stand across this room, we're going to have the prayer team come forward today. We're going to pray over people today. And you might be here and you might say, well, I, our marriage is, is great, or our marriage is in trouble, or any place in between. Or you might just be here today and you're, you're lonely, uh, maybe you're here and you need, you need healing or you need something today from God. Uh, these people are going to be here today and we're going to pray. And of course, today is a different kind of day. Uh, it, this, this, this message and the, or this, this passage forces us to, to kind of walk through more of a teaching time. But if you leave this morning, again, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes today? Because I've, again, I've learned something about my life and my marriage and my, 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 just who I am. I've learned that as the man in my household, as the leader in my household, the spiritual leader, that when I serve and I, and I, and I endeavor to, to serve my wife to meet her need for love and to meet her need for security, my wife meets my need for, for respect and honor. I don't have to tell her that. I don't have to make her do that. She's good at that. When I lead my home in serving Jesus, when I lead my home in prayer, when I lead my home and lead my children to come to church and serve Jesus and such, Man, it's, it's amazing what God can do in our homes when, when men, when we stand up to lead. And I'm addressing us. Because in this culture, in this day and age, when, when men are seen as being bumbling idiots who can't get anything right, and all we do is sit in our man cave and, and watch sports or watch whatever, and we drink beer and we just do that, that's the mark of a man, baloney. That's not the mark of a man. The mark of a man is much different than that. It's time for us to be like that and lead our families towards Christ. Amen? responsibility for that and, and, and be men of honor and integrity. And I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy, so I'm talking to the guys this morning. Today, but let's be that for our families. Amen? Be that for our, be that example for people to follow. Let's not be the place where our women, our, our, our wives and our, our spouses would have to, have to force us or make us to do these things. Let's be that and let's lead them that, in that direction. Jesus, I also pray over the marriages and families of our church. Lord, we're going to launch into next week talking about spiritual uh, um, warfare. Lord, you've given us some incredible instruction in the end of this book, Lord, on spiritual warfare. And Lord, I believe that you placed this passage here before that, Lord, as a way to, to walk into that. Jesus, our homes, 
be places, Lord, that are that are, are strong, that are spiritually strong, or places, Lord, where our kids and our children and our grandchildren and our spouses can be challenged and can be encouraged and can be grown. Lord, be recharged. Lord Jesus, I pray that over our homes. And Lord, if you launch out into thinking about Lord, warfare and thinking about how to live our lives, Lord Jesus, I pray you would do that in our homes and our lives. And I pray for marriages today that are struggling in this place. Lord Jesus, bring us to a place of understanding that we serve the other one. Lord, we, we submit to the other one. Lord, we give them what they need. We serve them. And in so doing, Lord Jesus, our needs are met too. God, minister. Strengthen your power in that, in that area. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen.